holidays are packed with conversations and emotions around the topic of food and our bodies. We critique ourselves in the mirror as we're getting ready for that work party. We make New Year's resolutions to work out at least three times a week. We compare our bodies to the women that we see online and at Christmas mass. And we may even hear comments, intentional or unintentional, from family members about how we look and the weight that we've gained or lost in the past year. Hey there. Welcome to Letters to Women. This is a podcast where we sit down to embrace and explore the feminine genius in our daily lives as Catholic women. In other words, what does a life fully alive as a woman mean today for you? My name is Chloe Langer, and in today's episode, I'm sitting down with Shelby Hirschman. Shelby is a wife, a mom, and a registered dietitian. And she's also the owner and founder of Good Body Nutrition, which is a nutrition counseling company that strives to help women restore relationships with their food, with their body, and ultimately with their soul. I think our relationships with our bodies and our relationship with food as women is a perfect topic to dive into right smack dab in the middle of the holiday season. But I honestly could have released this episode anytime because I think that the struggle of body image and nourishing our bodies is a topic that we could talk about as women any time of the year. After all, approximately 91% of us are unhappy with our bodies and resort to dieting to achieve our quote-unquote ideal body shape. So if you look at your reflection in the mirror and the first thing that comes to mind is what you would change about yourself, sister, this letter is for you. This episode of the Letters to Women podcast is sponsored by The Little Catholic Box. The Little Catholic Box is a quarterly subscription box for Catholic women. Each quarter, Erica curates a bunch of fun, unique Catholic items around a spiritual theme. It's really fun to be a subscriber. It's a blessing to the artists, creators, and small businesses whose items get featured. Their fourth quarter boxes are shipping to subscribers this month, and they have a limited number of single boxes available for purchase. I loved unpacking this box after it arrived at my house, and I'm looking forward to using some of the pieces around our home and gifting other pieces to friends and family for Christmas. If you'd like to take a look, visit thelittlecatholicbox.com. You can order a single box directly from their homepage. And while single boxes are currently available, new subscription signups are closed until December. So if you need a great Christmas gift for any Catholic woman in your life, you can hop onto their wait list now so that you have early access when subscriptions are available in December. New subscribers signing up in December will get their first box in February. But if you're thinking about buying these as a gift, Erica is going to send you a personalized Christmas card to either you or the gift recipient with a bonus gift. So there's something tangible that you can stick under the tree. Get on the wait list at thelittlecatholicbox.com slash LTW to get access to the bonus gift when subscription signups are open back up in December. And I'll give you a hint. If you're a fellow coffee lover, you're going to love the gift that they're including for Letters to Women listeners exclusively. All right, let's dive into this conversation with Shelby. Today, I'm welcoming Shelby Hirschman to the Letters to Women podcast. Shelby is a wife, mom, and a registered dietitian, as well as a lifelong Catholic. She's the owner and founder of Good Body Nutrition, LLC, a nutrition counseling company that strives to help women restore relationships with their food, body, and soul. Shelby, welcome to Letters to Women. I'm so excited to host you for this conversation. Thank you, Chloe. I am really excited to be here. So today, we are going to be covering a lot of ground. We're going to talk about diets, the way that we think about our bodies as women, fostering healthy relationships with food and our homes and with our families. But to start us off, can you tell me a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman, especially for people getting to know you here for the first time? Yeah, I'd love to. As you heard in my bio, I, I was baptized in the church as a baby and I was definitely blessed to have 
a family system that was rooted in their faith in God. Um, and so I grew up going to church every Sunday and we prayed together as a family regularly. And, and I know that this definitely set up the foundation of my faith. But I think that as I entered my later high school years, the traditions and practices that I engaged in through the Catholic Church kind of started to become disconnected from that intimacy with Christ, which I, I think is probably a similar strand in a lot of people's stories. So, you know, I went to Mass on Sundays and I said the meal prayer before meals because that's what you're supposed to do and, you know, checked off the boxes. But I definitely lost sight of, of that profound meaning behind why we do as, you know, what we do as Catholics. And I think even found myself questioning at times, do we even need to do what we do as Catholics? I went to college and thanks be to God, I pretty quickly got acquainted with a Catholic campus ministry group and, and through that started to really connect or reconnect that that love of God with the specific practices that I lived out within the Catholic faith. And then soon after that, actually, I met Sam, the man that would eventually become my husband. And Sam was not Catholic, but she had this really beautiful desire to seek out truth. And so he was really willing and, and desiring to have these big conversations where we talked about, you know, the differences in our spiritual practices and, and the differences in our beliefs. And he was really open to hearing me, but he, he also questioned and challenged me a lot. And I look back at that period of my life really as such a gift because I know that through that experience of being continuously challenged and asked like what do you believe and, and why that was really motivating for me to take that effort to dig deeper into the faith and then through that process I, I fell even more deeply in love with what I found and I and I guess a uh, side note my Protestant boyfriend also fell in love with what she found he did end up converting to Catholicism. And so, yeah, since that experience, I, of course, have had peaks and valleys in my experience of God and my faith. And I know that different life seasons and experiences have brought a lot of new perspective and new wounds and barriers and, and, and things that are still hard. But I have that firm foundation in Christ and in his church. And having that be the lens by which I see the world around me is like, yeah, and it impacts every aspect of my life, which I'm, I'm very thankful for. So yeah, I think that's kind of my my brief story. <laughs> I love how when you meet your boyfriend and he is also going through this season of questioning and openness to truth, where both of you meeting each other where you're at and being able to, yeah. to travel along that journey together and how you've spoken to your faith becoming deeper and richer because it was, yeah, it's questioned. And I think there's something really rich and beautiful, especially I think for cradle Catholics, because we didn't come into it as adults. For us to take a look at the air we breathed for the past, you know, 18 plus years and see what is this really about and I think that's good relationships with people who are not Catholic at the time at least to can really foster some really good heart conversations yeah absolutely I totally agree so Shelby I've been following you on Instagram for a while I think the first post that I interacted from your account talks about the goodness of our bodies and how God created our bodies and he calls them good and we read we read that that exact phrase 
in scripture in the book of Genesis at the very beginning of our story. But for so many of us as women, that is a big challenge to believe. So I would love to hear you speak into why believing that our bodies are good is something that so many of us struggle with. And also some first steps that we can take towards finding healing in this area of our lives as women. Yeah, that is such an important question, an important conversation. And I love that you started out by by pointing out that the word of God proclaims that inherent goodness of our bodies. And, and so we know like this is truth. And yet within the culture that we live in, it's really, really easy to forget or maybe not believe or, or never have even known this truth that our bodies are inherently good. And so the question is, why? Why does it, it seem like such a universal struggle that, that we as humans and and probably, you know, in particular as women struggle to believe that our bodies are unconditionally good. I think that the answer to that is very multifaceted. I think I could, we could, you know, spend so much time digging into just this question and just this topic. But at its roots, I think one of the prominent reasons is that in the resounding loudness, of the broken world that we live in. We're constantly hearing and feeling and seeing and experiencing this message that the goodness of our body is dependent on the desirability of it. You know, like the ability to fit our body within the current cultural standard of beauty, which, you know, is is always changing. And so then we learn that fitting this narrow standard is the ticket to really our safety and acceptance in this world, that desire for acceptance is very powerful. We were created for relationship and and we want to be accepted, but I think the sad reality is that we are sold this ticket of conditional acceptance from the world and, and it shows up in nearly every aspect of our lives, you know, from the objectification of women's body, which is, it's just so normalized. I I think we don't even recognize that there are these really harmful messages that are coming at us from every angle, from the classic Disney movies that I know that so many of us grew up watching where every beloved princess is portrayed in a pretty unrealistic way to watching the women in our lives that we love and admire constantly dieting and and being unhappy with their body, maybe like receiving more attention and more affirmation from friends and family if maybe our, our body size has gotten smaller. And then there's, of course, also this constant over-sexualization of the way women are portrayed in media and and on and on and on. Um, The point being like we are immersed in this idea that our bodies are an ornament to be looked at and applauded rather than than an instrument to enable us to engage with the world and the people around us. And that terminology, kind of a side note, actually comes from doctors Lexi and Lindsay Kite and their sisters. Um, They have some really great resources on this topic that I I can share with you, too. But um, anyways, you know, considering kind of all of that overwhelming context of distorted messaging about bodies, I think it makes so much sense that for the vast majority of women in our culture, we do have a very hard time internalizing 
the belief that that my body is good unconditionally right now like exactly as it is it is good how do we start to find healing for that distorted relationship with the body i think it can often be a really slow and difficult process because if you're anything like me or the many women that i work with in my practice then these distorted messages about your worth have been around in your life since forever and and so that's like very hard work to bring that broken narrative to the lord and to ask him to help you rewrite it uh, but it's it's really holy work too and so i think an essential step to take early on is to bring those wounded beliefs about our worth and our body to god and to ask him father what are your truths about my body and would you help me to see your truth? And in doing that, um, you know, we begin considering what do I currently believe about my body? What is its purpose? And how does that align with what God says about my body? And then through exploring those big foundational questions, we create space for our beliefs and our values about our body to impact our relationship with and our behavior towards our body. And that's already happening. Like our beliefs and our values about our body do impact our relationship with the body. And so the goal being like, can I align those beliefs and values with God's truth? And the point isn't to be totally disconnected from our body. God created us body and soul, and they're intrinsically connected. And, and I think that sometimes there's this fear that to struggle with your body image is just an issue of vanity. But I, I believe that it's really an issue of a really wounded understanding of the purpose of the body. That I believe in my heart of hearts that your body and my body is not some project to be solved or or a trophy you know by which we we earn our value but the purpose of our body is to enable us to be in in physical and um sensorial relationship with god and with the people he places in our lives and and we can do that in the body we're in today um so just to kind of wrap wrap all of that up one i think an initial step is is evaluating what do i believe is the purpose of my body and then knowing that what i believe about that will impact my relationship with my body and then from there maybe starting to take some steps to minimize messages that that contradict your values and beliefs about bodies um or at least contradicts God's truth about our bodies. And I think a big place to start there could be for many of us social media, being okay with with muting or unfollowing um, pages, whether intentionally or unintentionally, you know, create this uh, culture of comparison or shame with our bodies and, and our behaviors with our bodies. And then finally, I think another good early step is to to even kind of open yourself up into looking into the the scientific and, and physiological research that kind of backs these ideas of body acceptance because there's a lot 
lot out there too that I think can be helpful. I think those practical steps that you're mentioning there at the end speak so well into experience that I have had as a woman. I'm going to assume some other women who are listening have also had where when we're healing our relationship with the body, there is the past to look at. For instance, someone may say, you know, I've always thought that this part of my body is bad because this relative said this to me at seven or I've always thought, I've always struggled with the way that I look in the mirror because I heard someone say this about their body when I was in high school. So we have this this past experience as we're growing and maturing in our own bodies as women. But then I, you've spoken to this so beautifully, especially with social media. We have all these messages that are constantly getting thrown at us. And so we're sorting through this backlog of things that we have to sort through when it comes to the, <laughs> the way that we see our bodies as women. But it seems like we're never going to get to the top because there's always more coming at us. And so I think what you're talking about in checking is the way that I see my body, the way the Lord sees my body and asking him to speak into this. But then also, am I putting myself in a situation where I'm being inundated with more messages that are not what the Lord says? And is that making this even more challenging? So really being able to have that introspective prayer, but then also really practically, what is my what is my time on Instagram look like? And, and things like that, I think really can give us a, some really practical, tangible things to tackle something that can seem so overwhelming. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I think you hit the nail on the head. When this episode comes out, we're in the middle of the holiday season. We have mm-hmm. been through Thanksgiving. We're prepping for, for Christmas. We're in the season of Advent. New Year's is right around the corner. And that means that in addition to what we're already being bombarded with, there's going to be this influx of diet ads, questions about our New Year's resolution, whether we're going to try to lose weight, encouraged to pull out the scale as a means of measuring whether we're actually meeting these health goals that we're setting for ourselves. And you recently shared that as a clinically trained dietitian, you'd actually encourage women to break up with their scale and a diet that would accompany that. Why should we let a scale go? And what are some things that we can do as women that can help us be more in tune with our body in a much more healthier way than just a, a digital number on a scale can show us? Yeah, I think this is really the perfect topic to transition into after we're just considering, you know, how, how can I affirm and internalize that unconditional worth of my body? Because I would say that another great tangible step would be to break up with the scale. And I like that terminology because I see both anecdotally in my practice and and also just through an abundance of of clinical research that almost always the relationship we have with the scale is toxic or at the least probably not helpful and probably harmful. And and when a relationship is toxic, we want to create boundaries and and create safety and and often break off that relationship. And I say that and and I know like I I am a clinically trained, registered and licensed dietitian, as you said, and, and I work in the medical field and I work in the wellness field and I did my my graduate clinical training in hospitals and doctor offices. And so I know, I know that this message that, hey, focusing on your body weight as a parameter of your health is, is not actually very helpful is probably very different from the message that most of us are, are used to hearing, um, even from other medical professionals. And, and there's a lot that we could flush out here about why that is. For the sake of time today, I, the message I want to share is that, yeah, focusing your time and energy and emotional stability on, on what the number on a scale says is actually doing very little to improve your health. 
despite the focus on weight, you know, in our, our culture, weight tells us far less about your health than the behaviors you are engaging in on a day-to-day basis. And so behaviors are much, much more predictive of overall health and wellness and also much more effective in, in having an impact on your health. Focusing on behaviors and what behavior shifts I could make that would actually be supportive of my health is going to be much more advantageous. And also weighing and dieting habits, they are shown to significantly increase both psychological and physiological stress. And, you know, so like stress physically in the body. We know that chronic stress in the body is the leading cause or a leading cause of increased morbidity and increased mortality. So, you know, sickness and death. I think that probably most of us have experienced the discomfort and disappointment and maybe even shame that can come from stepping onto a scale and seeing a number that that we don't want to see or that we think we we you know shouldn't be seeing that stress and shame in it of itself can have a really significantly negative impact on our overall wellness and then kind of moving into more of of the spiritual aspect of things i think that tracking and monitoring your weight and kind of looking to it, I think that that perpetuates this false narrative that we as individuals have supremacy over the design of our body. And despite what the world would have you believe, you don't. Your genetics do, your God does. And and he's the one that, that created a human race comprised of really unique humans and bodies and yeah there there are behaviors we can engage in that will help or hinder our wellness absolutely but even if we all ate exactly the same and we all exercised exactly the same our bodies would still be very diverse very different and that's okay in fact i would say that's beautiful when we focus on the scale and that really hollow number it reflects back at us i think the concern is one it isn't actually as effective as we've been led to believe at monitoring our health. And two, given the context I just shared, you know, in that that last answer, I think that the natural progression with a scale in this cultural climate is for it to become the sort of litmus test for our worth and goodness and, and belonging. And of course, that's that's problematic for us as Christians and, and really for anyone. What do I recommend instead? Instead, I recommend focusing on on health promoting behaviors. So, you know, back to that idea of behaviors. Am I getting adequate sleep? Am I eating enough food? And I'm eating enough food consistently? Am I nourishing my body with three meals a day? Am I including a wide variety of types of food? Um, you know, not just, I know a lot of us moms are guilty of just surviving on the crust of a toddler's sandwich and that's not enough. And, you know, are we, are we moving our bodies in a way that feels good and that celebrates the body God gave us, not, not punishes it? Are we aware of our, our mental health and, and trying to listen to and respond to that and to the desires of our heart and, and nourishing our, our spiritual health and our communal health and all of these these different things, all of these different behaviors we can foster in our life. And, and also, you know, it's important to get that routine 
basic and preventative care. I would say that that when you go to the doctor to advocate for yourself and ask, like, can we focus on on my lab values and and focus on my my behaviors rather than focusing so much on on maybe my BMI and weight? Because again, those labs and those discussion about behaviors, those are going to be a lot more reflective of our health. Yeah, I think back on my own health journey, which has been a lot of recovery from not healthy eating habits and very inconsistent eating habits in college and how there have been stretches where I have been moving my body in a way that I have really found enjoyable instead of, you know, just trying to go through the motions of an exercise I think I have to do to be healthy, consistently eating. And I can think of so many times where I, I would step on the scale and, and see a number that in in my case, for my story, was less than what I that I wanted it to be, and just spending the day thinking nothing that I do matters. This is such a waste of my time. I can't believe that after all this really hard intentional work, it's not making a difference. And before I had weighed myself, it had not been that narrative. Exactly. I thought the exact opposite of those. Wow, I'm really, really content here. and I feel healthier than I have for a long time. And so it's, yeah, that psychological aspect of seeing and assigning that number to a worth like this is what I am worth. And I love the phrase that you used, a hollow number. That doesn't tell me I, it's just, it doesn't tell me my, you know, like even the scientifically, the composition of my body, the yeah. different pieces of my body that weigh different portions and, and things like that. It's just, it's just such a flat statistic mm-hmm. that doesn't really encompass who we are as people. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. I say amen to all of that. I think what I would really like to focus on next is the fact that raising daughters has made me really attuned to the way that I talk about my own body and the food that we eat as a family. And I know a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are moms. So how can we be intentional as parents about fostering a healthy relationship with kids, excuse me, a healthy relationship with food in our homes? And this one in particular, because I know a lot of women listen to this podcast who are married, but do you have any tips for getting on the same page as your spouse when it comes to communicating about foods in your household so that kids aren't getting like these mixed messages like mom says this about food but dad says this about food (laughs) I don't know what to think about food (laughs) yeah I think that's a great question I think anyone who has kids or, or really anyone who's in relationship with kids in any sort of way know that kids are are such sponges and and they just absorb our words and our mannerisms and life and and they also absorb our behaviors and our beliefs about food and in the body and so this is why i i do think it's it's really important to not only consider how we talk about our kids bodies and, and their food and i think often like we tend to be like more careful and accepting of the bodies of our kids and the food that they eat. But but this is also why we need to be aware of the way we talk about our bodies and our own bodies and the meals and the food that we eat. I read a quote the other day. I actually have it written down here. It was by someone named Shelly Robinson, and I believe she is an author. I haven't actually read her book, but I came across this quote from her book that said, let's be a generation of mothers who normalize saying kind and loving things about our bodies in front of our children. And I really love that. And as I think about my own story and the stories of so many women that I work with, I imagine how different this conversation 
could be that we're having today if our own mothers had been taught to say loving things about their bodies. And and then in regards to food, as you know, I I think that all foods fit into a healthful diet. And um, and when I say all foods, I mean like literally all foods, unless you're allergic to it or it's it's rotten, like, yeah, you can include that in a healthful diet. I think when we allow a wide variety of foods within our home for our children and also for ourselves, that really normalizes the experience of different and unique foods. And it allows our kids to foster this this God-given ability to intuitively eat. And so some key points I would make would be to really try and not use labels with food. I know that for a lot of us, this is something that we've heard all our life of using labels of like good foods and bad foods and even healthy and unhealthy foods. And I would actually really encourage people to stay stay away from that. And I think it can cause quite a bit of confusion and even introduce some shame into the picture with food, which can can obviously have an impact in our relationship with food. Yeah. And then also try to include a variety of foods at meals and snacks. Allow your kids to explore those foods and have some autonomy in what they do eat from what is being served, you know, so you decide as as the parent, this is what we're having at the meal. And then we allow our kids some autonomy and being able to connect with those those intuitive skills given to us by God to decide how much they want to eat and to kind of slowly start exploring foods that are new. But this is another big, a big topic. And a couple of accounts I'd like to share that I think could be really helpful when we're thinking about kids. One is Feeding Littles on Instagram. They're awesome. They really get into all the nitty gritty details of like, what does that look like to help our kids foster a healthy relationship with food? And then also Crystal Carges. She does a great job of also incorporating a lot of that that body image aspect and then how that connects to food and, and how that impacts our children. Thinking about how do we get on the same page with our spouse or like, how do we go about this? I think that Anytime there's something that, you know, we feel strongly about and, and maybe that it's it's even kind of an emotionally activating topic for us, I think it's really important to try and approach the conversation with clarity and with compassion. And so that I think it can be helpful for that to start with looking like, hey, there's something that's been on my heart and my mind that I would really like to talk with you about. Is tonight a good night? for that for us to have that kind of conversation and so then when we do that enables us to create that i say safe space a lot but again (laughs) safe space to have this conversation by allowing your spouse to say like yeah i'm ready for this serious conversation or maybe maybe actually i've had a really hard day and i would be able to enter into this more calmly and charitably if we wait until tomorrow or this weekend. And I think it also alludes to the reality for you that, hey, this conversation is important to me. And then it invites your spouse to be able to see that and enter into that conversation with compassion as well. Yeah, to enter into it with an awareness of of why this is an emotional topic for me or for you as a listener, if you're listening in, and to be able to acknowledge the, the humanity of your spouse too. <laughs> We're not here to just, here's the issue that I'm going to talk about. And I don't care how your day has been or what what your opinions are. This is the way we're doing it. Yep, to approach it as a couple and as a team, I think makes such a difference in a home. You were talking about some Instagram accounts to follow. Uh, one phrase that I have seen around Instagram quite a bit this year 
I think especially as we're coming out of more lockdown situations and mm-hmm. adjusting to maybe new body shapes after COVID and the way that that has impacted our bodies as human beings and in, in this particular situation, women in particular. But I've heard a lot of people talk about this phrase, body neutrality, as an alternative to body positivity. So instead of focusing on loving your body, no matter what, you focus on approaching this reality of your body and what it does from from your perspective. Do you think that body neutrality is a helpful phrase, a helpful practice for Catholic women today? Yeah, I I do think that the concept of body neutrality can definitely be a helpful practice for Catholic women. Not necessarily because I believe we can't or or should not be body positive. I think there's also kind of, you know, some varying um, definitions of what it means to, to be body positive or to have body positivity. But regardless, oftentimes when we have these wounds to our body image and as we've already talked about, we are constantly faced with this message that that actually validates the lie that our appearance of our body is critical to our worth. It can be really, really hard to actually connect to and internalize that concept of body positivity. And so as you already spoke to, I, body neutrality is is being able to say, I may not love every detail about the way my body feels or or looks, but regardless of that, I can still choose to accept that that this is my body and and it is inherently good and it deserves respect. In my opinion, I think most people with a healthy relationship with their body will actually kind of flow back and forth between body neutrality and body positivity and Sometimes we can say, God, what an amazing body you gave me. I'm so glad this is the body you created for me. Um, and sometimes we can't. And and I think that's okay. I think it's okay to also be in a place where we say, actually, right now, I am feeling tension in my body. And there are things about it that I do not love or that make me uncomfortable. And my body still deserve respect and care. And I think that's really at the heart of body neutrality. And I think it can be really healing for us. I think the thing that I love the most about body neutrality is that it applies to so many of our seasons of life as women. From my experience as a woman with a body there has been many times where body neutrality would have been helpful not just I think a lot of times that emphasis is put on postpartum growing to accept what my body is and what it has done um, in bearing life but I think that that's a that's a small sliver in reality of our experience as women not all women have born kids physically, but I think Mm -hmm. almost all of us really struggle in some season with the way that our body looks. And so I think body neutrality, regardless of what your story has looked like up until this point as a Catholic woman applies to everybody and really offers just a small step, I think, towards healing. I think going from like, man, I hate fill in the blank body part. I just, Mm -hmm. I can't even look at it in the mirror to this part of my body does this. And isn't that, that is, that is what it does. And I think Mm -hmm. that's such a, so much more that's still a big step but it's so much smaller than i love this body part that just seems like a massive leap that is a big ask for someone who is really struggling so yeah i think it's a great common middle ground 
Yeah, I agree. So listening to podcasts about nutrition, following accounts like yours on social media, I think they're such a great place to start when it comes to restoring our relationship with food. But we've talked a lot about some wounds that that we may have in our stories to sort through, to look at and examine. And sometimes we need to go deeper and we might need professional help. When can we know when it's time to sit down with a dietitian or a nutritionist? And what are some things to look for when finding that care provider? I think that the answer to this can look different for different people, but I think at, at the heart, when you are recognizing that your relationship with your body and with your food is is consistently stealing your peace, that is a good sign that reaching out for help from a professional is likely going to be a really beneficial step for you um, and for healing and, and care. I would say we all have our days where our body image is feeling rough, you know, like pretty crummy or food for one reason or another is uh, really stressful. But if that's a consistent pattern you're seeing on a day-to-day basis, then I'd say that there's certainly a lot of opportunity in seeking healing and in those relationships. Um, with the help from a professional and and in doing that, empowering you to live that full and abundant life that we are called to, that we are created for. And that said, I also think that that anytime you feel like this could be helpful for me, that that is enough reason to consider reaching out for help. And and of course, you know, we, we have to consider other aspects like finances and time. But I think there can often be this temptation to think that that we have to wait until we are, you know, quote unquote, sick enough in order to invest in ourselves and in our mental and physical health. But but we don't. And and in fact, I would say oftentimes by by reaching out before maybe we fall into that category that we would self-define as sick enough, when we do that, that actually enables us to find healing more quickly. And then thinking about, okay, so I'm looking for help. How do I go about doing that? There, I think it can be kind of overwhelming because there are millions, it feels like, probably not millions, a lot of different individuals and businesses to turn to for help. I, I would say that as someone who is really experienced in seeing the ways our culture has kind of distorted and disconnected our relationship with our food and our body from this bigger picture of our overall health in like a really holistic way, I do have some some pretty specific characteristics that I would recommend looking for. So one, I think it's important to know that not everyone who uses the title like nutritionist or health coach, that they've not all actually gone through the extensive process of becoming a registered dietitian. And that is not to say that you should never consider working with someone who is something other than a dietitian or that there's no like value there. But I do think it can be important to point out that the difference in education and in clinical background can be pretty significant. You know, so someone who has as the title of registered dietitian. They've received their Bachelor of Science in Nutrition and Dietetics, and they've gone through a minimum of about a year of a postgraduate clinical internship. And most of the time now, they also have a master's in nutrition. So I guess that's just something to be aware of. And then if you are really desiring to find peace 
in your relationship with your body and with your food. I would really recommend looking for someone, be it a registered dietitian or otherwise, that says that they practice from a non-diet approach. And this means that the focus of your work with them is not going to be on changing the number on the scale, you know, changing the size or appearance of your body, which can actually be like a pretty common focus that we've been taught is is like what's important to focus on. And I've already kind of discussed, you know, my thoughts on that and why I don't think that's best practice. But so rather than focusing on on weight, somebody who's non-diet is going to be focusing on supporting you with behavior changes. My nutrition philosophy is that most of the time we should be looking to add to our diet in order to help support our health rather than than looking to take away and restrict from our diet. And if someone is recommending in a very generalized way that we should remove these specific foods or even entire food group, I know it's not trendy to say, but I think that that in my book is, is kind of a, a red flag. Again, I, I would say I recommend one, finding out what this person or business nutrition education is and, and just so you're aware of that and so you can take that into consideration. And then looking for someone that says that they practice a non-diet approach. And then finally, I would say looking for someone that is familiar with a concept of intuitive eating, which, you know, that's going to to focus less, again, on on diet programs and rigidity with food. And it's going to focus more on actually learning to attune to your body's natural abilities to guide you in a balanced diet. I think that that is a really beautiful and helpful practice you know Shelby I love following you online and the work that you do both within the feed that you have created but then also what you share from other accounts who have a very similar mission and mindset when it comes to resetting and healing our relationship with our bodies where can listeners find you online yeah thanks for asking um so usually you can find me at goodbodynutrition.com but but at the time that this is being recorded, my website is down temporarily for redesign. I don't really anticipate it coming back up before the holidays. So, you know, you can try there. If it's not up, it will be back up eventually. But otherwise, you can find me um, on Instagram. I did recently start an Instagram page where, as you you talked about, Chloe, I do dig into these topics we discussed today and, and also a lot of other related conversations and so you can you can find me there at good body underscore nutrition and then finally if you if you're interested in working with me or have any professional related questions you can reach out to me at um, by email at shelby at goodbodynutrition.com Fantastic. And I'll put all the links to those in the show notes as well. You know, I think we could we could have easily had a podcast episode on any one of these questions. I agree. I agree. <laughs> so, but I am so thankful for kind of just a bird's eye perspective, which I think can be so helpful as we're starting out into this conversation on what it means to truly believe that our bodies are good. And I could talk to you for two more hours, but I think I'll well, we'll likewise. With this. <laughs> oh, thank delightful. you. <laughs> So I'll close with this one question that I ask any woman who comes on the show. And, and I, I, I've i seen this 
thread throughout our conversation. So I'm really excited to hear your answer, which is this. How do you live out the feminine genius in your daily life, especially as a woman who's helping women restore their relationships with food, with their body and with their soul? I would say that I live out my feminine genius by one, trying to honor and nurture my own body, you know, the earthly home that God gave me for this world. And, you know, which has has been a, you know, I I have my own story of healing in in that process. Um, And then through that, also being able to extend that respect for the inherent dignity um, of my own body to the bodies of others and really inviting them and encouraging them to to cultivate um, compassion and and peace in their relationship with themselves as a whole person, which which of course includes body, food, and soul too. I've loved listening to you share about all of these things in our conversation with such a gentleness, like just such a, a gentle questioning. Have you thought about it this way? What do you think about? Mm-hmm. It's just been really beautiful. It's such an invitation of generosity into reconsidering our relationships with our bodies. So thank you for living out your feminine genius in that way and for sharing it with us here on this podcast. It has been such a wonderful conversation. Yes, thank you so much, Chloe. I've really loved my time talking with you. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Letters to Women podcast. You can check out the show notes for this conversation with Shelby over at letterstowomenpodcast.com. You can find the show notes there on the the homepage, or you can just scroll down to browse through links to check out resources that we mentioned in the show, like where to find Shelby online, as well as those Instagram accounts that she recommended following to learn about topics like intuitive eating and body neutrality. Hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single new episode. And if you find yourself in the middle of a conversation this holiday season about diets or body image and you loved what you heard in this episode today, would you consider mentioning it in that conversation or sharing it with a friend? Shelby shared so much that I think could totally revolutionize the way that we talk about our bodies as women. And I know there are so many women who are hungry for that exact message. Follow the podcast on Instagram at letters to women underscore podcast. And you're going to want to make sure that you're following along so that you can be the first to know about an end of year letters to women giveaway that's going to kick off on January 1st. It's going to feature a crazy amount of prizes from the women who joined me on the show over the past year, like a copy of Emily Wilson's Awaken My Heart and the brand new prayer journal that goes with that. A tote bag from Litany, Paige Ryan's new book, Revived and Renovated, where she shares more about her recovery journey, a coffee mug from the ladies over at Fanbase. Plus, there's going to be a signed copy of the new Letters to Women book, and I'm treating the winner to a cup of coffee. I'll be sharing all the details on Instagram and in my email newsletter and here on the podcast after Christmas, so keep an eye out for that. If someone gifts you a copy of the new Letters to Women book for Christmas and you share about it on social media, tag me. I would love to celebrate with you, and I'm honored that that book is under some trees this Christmas season. It is not too late to get a copy. You can head over to tanbooks.com to get Letters to Women, Embracing the Feminine Genius in Everyday Life directly from my publisher, or you can add it to your cart on Amazon while you're doing some Christmas shopping or ask for it at your local Catholic bookstore. It is a great gift for any woman on your shopping list. Inside, you'll find 30 letters written to encourage and accompany you as a woman in every season and situation that you find yourself in during your daily life as a Catholic woman. And if today's conversation with Shelby really struck a chord with you, you will love reading a letter in that book from my dear friend, Mary Khadivi, who lives right up the street from me. She writes about body image and diet culture and about reassessing the way that we talk about our bodies and talk to our bodies. All right. 
that is all I have for today's episode. I am praying for you so that the rest of your Advent is restful. And until next time, be not afraid.